0: Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. My name's Tanner House. I'm the lead pastor here at Redeemer Church. And I'm not preaching this morning. I was actually back there pressing all the buttons on the soundboard. And that was a fun learning experience. It's good to be with you this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. This is the final sermon of the Advent series. And so if you need a Bible, raise your hand. My son Levi's back there. He can hook you up. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in, the Spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And according, uh, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever.
1: Uh, man, I'm so glad to be up here with you today. My name is Matt. Uh, I think I know most of you guys already, but it's awesome to see y'all. It's awesome to see your faces. Um, I feel like Zach must have kind of taken a lot of stuff from my sermon or something, or the Holy Spirit was just working, because it's just so appropriate to some of the songs that he sang with us this morning, and Let Us In. Um, but I just want to welcome you guys. Um, if, Like Tanner said, if you guys need a Bible, we can get you one. We're going to be in the ESV if you're using like a digital app or something like that. Um, also, too, like, I don't think any of you guys are visitors, but man use those cards underneath your chair if need be for prayer contact if you need us to walk with you through something we'd love to do that don't suffer on your own don't carry those burdens on your own we're here for you guys um tanner read a lot that was a lot of verses it's okay though the packers don't play until like 3 30 so we have plenty of time before we get out of here okay america's team um (laughs) so to my some we don't have more cowboys fans here um I love christmas i love this time of year okay i love the lights i love the decorations the food there's lots of it um come the first weekend of november like halloween's over first weekend of november i'm usually putting up the decorations i'm up on the roof putting up lights i'm getting the the christmas tree out i'm doing the decorating all that kind of fun stuff um my life my wife relents and kind of lets me take over that, if you will. I don't go crazy, but I just love it. Some of my fondest childhood memories are decorating with my mom around this time of year. You know, she'd have George Strait's uh, Merry Christmas Straight to You playing in the background while I'm helping her do the lights. And when she would do the lights on the tree, she didn't do this job where you just kind of wrap around. Like, she would wrap each individual branch. She was about that life. there are certain songs I have to listen to. All I Want For Christmas Is You is one of them, but not that trash Mariah Carey one, okay? We're talking Vince Vance and the Valiants, okay? It's a deep it's a deep cut. If you look it up, you need to give that a shot. It's got a great saxophone solo going in it. Um, <laughs> There's A New Kid in Town by George Strait is one I usually have to listen to when we look at lights and it makes me cry. Uh, Light of the World by Lauren Daigle, anything from Nat King Cole, okay? I love that kind of stuff, I love, you have to watch certain movies, I'm talking like the classics like Elf, Home Alone 1 and 2, we're not talking about number 3, or that trash thing on on Netflix, I don't even want to discuss that. Number 2 being the far superior movie in many ways, Um, A Christmas Story, okay, you got to have A Christmas Story, Ernest Saves Christmas, Uh, I was just told that the house children did not appreciate that movie and it makes me very sad. Uh, bonus points for Die Hard or for a Christmas vacation, okay? Um, this time of year has always been full of lots of mixed emotions, though, right? We have nostalgia about Christmases past when we were young. We have, like, this hope of Christmases to come and, you know, what this new coming year might bring. Um, maybe we have sadness and somber moments for loved ones we've lost in years past or maybe recently, There's somewhat of this depression for build-up, build-up and build-up of this time of year and then maybe things don't go some way and we get a little down on ourselves. Things are winding down like the year, maybe everything you wanted to accomplish didn't happen and so we kind of like this depression as we head into the end of the year. But I just want to pause real quick and pray for those that maybe have lost loved ones recently. Maybe you've lost them in the past. And this time of year can be a little rough. It always hits me a little hard this time of year. And I just want to take a minute, stop, and lift you guys up to the Father. Lord, we love you. Uh, We know that um, this time of year can be rough on some folks. And uh, we just want to lift them up to you right now. Lord, you are a comforter. And and God, I pray that you would show that comfort this time of year. Um, I pray that... uh, there would just be joy in this season, despite the sadness, Lord, of lost loved ones, that there would be joy for the coming of your kingdom, Lord, and that uh, we death doesn't have to be the end-all be-all. Uh, you came to make that, so we love you and just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This time of year also always seems to bring out just a weariness and fatigue in me. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Uh, I have this hope of getting to slow down. Like fall is coming, we're getting into winter. You know, I don't have to really do yard work anymore. Uh, things, you know, I just feel like I want to go into this hibernation, right? But then it's like, well, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. I have to do this before the end of the year. Start feeling anxious, right? You know, like we've got a, I've got a finished a toy chest for Carly. All the girls I've made toy chests for for Christmas. Uh, in years past, and so I've got to finish hers, and what are we doing for this person for a present? And my wife said not to get her anything, but I think it's probably a trap. So I'm having to walk through that situation. Um, You know, (laughs) I've got this sermon to prepare for. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I love that line. So many of these Christmas songs I just love. And I'm not talking about Rudolph or any of those, but like these Christmas hymns. And I think it's so great that we're, we've been looking the past few weeks at various hymns about the birth of Christ. A weary world rejoices. That's hard to say. This season can definitely cause weariness. And I had to repent of the way I was approaching the sermon. I was treating it more of one more thing to cross off this list I have. I wanted to hurry up and get it done, all while knocking it out of the park. But thankfully, the Lord is so gracious, and he's so full of patience, and he convicted me of my errors and helped me to realign my focus. Christ, this has to be our focus. It has to be, and I'm so excited to look at the scripture today because there's just so much good stuff in this, and regardless of the hustle and bustle of the season, I pray that God, in his immense power and grace, would let us just stop, just breathe in his presence, and enjoy the work that was done on our behalf. Honestly, I didn't really begin to understand the sheer significance of Christmas until I was an adult. I didn't become a believer until I was in my 20s, and even though I grew up in the church, and even though i had heard over and over and over again this Christmas story, I didn't really get it, like, really, really get it. Um... I didn't really even get what Advent meant until like a decade ago. I still don't fully grasp the weight of what went on, but hopefully today we can shed some light on the immensity of the miracle that took place. This miracle that basically split time as we know it into two sections. We're going to take a look at one of the last OG Christmas hymns that we get. OG, for those of you don't that don't know, means original gangsta. Okay, you can go and oppress your friends now. A few weeks ago, Tanner brought us the song of Mary. She was full of the the spirit and just deep in her knowledge of the Lord. And her song's purpose was to magnify Him. So think about this: she just gets told you're going to have this baby, instead of even focusing on the baby, she's focused on who, God the Father. She wants to glorify him. She's looking up to him and reaching up and just awe and wonder and praising him for who he is. Tanner made an awesome point that Mary was special, but not on her own accord. But she was special because she she knew and was known by God the Father. Last week, Mark gave us the song from Zechariah, John's dad. Whereas Mary was focusing on the Father, Zechariah seems keenly aware by the power of the Spirit that this coming child was the prophesied descendant of David, King David that we have all heard about, right? This child will be the horn of salvation. The salvation for the people of Israel is finally coming. The long-awaited redeemer is here. His song drips with the joy of salvation for God's people. And this next song we're going to look at today adds yet another layer, right? Another layer to this story. So we have Simeon. Simeon was one of the first to sing lines about the birth of the Messiah after he came, after he was born. It might not have been necessarily the first Noel, right? The angels got that. They got that distinction. But it was really close. What Simeon does is he seems to take the theme from Zechariah, the salvation, and expands upon it. Okay? Giving the whole world a reason to rejoice. And while this hymn is full of praise and rejoicing in the work of God, like most Christmas hymns we sing today, at the end, he kind of takes this dramatic turn, right? And he leaves us with some very heavy, intense words for us to wrestle with. So let's pray, and we're going to dive into the Word. Lord, um, you are just so—gosh, uh, I don't even know how to, to, to start this prayer, Lord. I, I feel very— uh, ill-equipped for today, but I've also been told by your word and by by dear friends that you equip us for every good work. So, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just move through me today. I pray that your words would ring true. I pray, God, that you would just, like we sang and what Zach talked about earlier this morning, that your words would just cut like a two-edged sword. They would cut between lies and deception. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just be honored and blessed today. I pray, God, that uh, you would just have the reign of the house, Lord just want to glorify you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So starting in Luke 2, verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Here we're introduced to this man, Simeon, and judging by his words he uses later on, he's most likely an older man, kind of looking towards death. His time is kind of drawing near. Other than that, we don't really have a whole lot about him. It was nothing remarkable in the sense of office or power. Uh, Nothing we read shows that he held any high status or anything. Nothing that stands out besides the fact that he was devout and that the Holy Spirit was upon him. He knew the Lord, and the Lord certainly knew him, and that was enough. Now, keep in mind, this is before the day of Pentecost. So the day of Pentecost happened after Christ had risen, and then his spirit fell on the church in mass, right? But yet, before all this, the Spirit of the Lord was resting upon this man, Simeon. He knew the Scriptures and was eagerly awaiting and looking forward to the consolation of Israel, So, here in my notes, I actually have it as a capital C, the Consolation of Israel. Consolation means comfort after a loss or a disappointment. Now, you can look through the history books of the Bible, the Old Testament books, and it's not going to take long before you see over and over and over again this pain of loss, this disappointment, people not living up to expectations, exile, sin, death, you name it. The fallen state of humanity is just on full display for all to see in these texts. He was longing for comfort, but not just any comfort, not some temporary fix. He was waiting for the comfort, the comforter, the consolation of Israel. Isaiah forty-nine thirteen says, "'Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth.'" Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on the afflicted. He would have known Isaiah well. He would have known these scriptures and these prophets well. And on top of that, he's got the Holy Spirit revealing that he would, in fact, get to see this Messiah. After a lifetime of waiting, the time has finally come. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice. Picking it back up in 27. And he came into, in the Spirit to the temple. And when his parents brought in this child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. This section right here is just so full of just implications and weight. I'm going to try my best to walk through this with you guys. Um, with God's help, hopefully we can just look at how deep and meaningful these these words are. The book of Matthew tells us that there were 14 generations from Abraham to David. Okay, Abraham was the patriarch of the the Hebrew nation, the Israelite family. It started there, and then we've got 14 generations to King David, you know, David and Goliath, that guy. Then we get 14 generations from David to when they're taken off into exile in Babylon. And then yet, on top of that, another 14 generations from the exile to the birth of the Messiah. So we've got 42 generations, 42 generations of waiting for this deliverance that's been promised. The book of Malachi, so Mark hit on this last week. The book of Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, ends and then no one hears from God. For 400 years, silence, nothing. Could you imagine the waiting and the longing to be released, to be saved for that long? Like, are you really going to do this? Is this ever happening? And now this man, full of the Spirit, is led in the temple as as Jesus' parents are bringing in this newly born child to dedicate him to the Lord. This was required by the law. He walks up and sees his child and is immediately overcome. After years of waiting and longing and crying, God's comforter is here. Finally, <laughs> finally, I can't imagine what that would be like knowing that we were promised this thousands of years ago, and we've been struggling and walking and carrying this burden and just mired in our sin, and now... There he is. Overcome with joy that the Lord has kept his word, he takes the boy from his parents, which is a bold move, <laughs> right? Uh, how many folks would just let some guy that you don't even know come up and snatch your baby away? Um, and he begins to sing praises to the Father. And this, the really awesome part about his Noel is the fact that he throws out lines that tie directly into why Christ is the joy of not just Israel, but the whole world. So the song that we opened with is just so appropriate for today. I love this song. Uh, So many of these hymns are some of my favorite songs ever in existence. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Long were we just stuck in chasing our own sin and our own darkness. And then he appears. 29 says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation for the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. Did you catch that? Did you get that, that addition that was added on from, from Zechariah. Let's look at that. Zechariah, let's look back at his song. He used lots of words like us, our ancestors, your people, our father. His song is full of praise to the God of salvation for the Israelites. And rightfully so. Israel was often called, called God's firstborn. Paul writes in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. But Simeon praises God for all people, Gentile and Jew. He is a light for the Gentiles, for the nations. He would illuminate who God is, and point to the Father. Isaiah says that he will make darkness into light and that he himself will be our guide. For the Jew, he is the glory of the people of Israel. So go back to those, all those generations we've talked about, right? This is a lineage that dates back thousands of years, and this promise was made to Abraham. God took Abraham and told him that he would bless him with more descendants than he could count and that the world would be blessed by his lineage. That blessing is seen in the birth of Christ. But to hear that your Son is not only the long-awaited Savior of Israel, but the whole world. Isaiah 42.6 says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you, as a covenant for the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon and from the prison those who sit in darkness. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppressions shall cease. Some of these songs are tongue twisters. This child will grow up not just to save Israel from the Romans that were oppressing them, That wasn't his sole mission. That wasn't really his mission at all. He had a much bigger charge. He would save them. He would be a comfort to them. He would be their advocate. But he came to put an end to our true enemies of sin and death. And the thing was, he came to do that for you and me as well. You don't have to be part of that bloodline. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to have that heritage All nations includes you and me. That gift of salvation is there for you as well. This is a reason for us to rejoice. I'm going to say that again. This is a reason for us to rejoice. We don't have to be part of some elite select group in order to receive this. But the thing is, not everyone wants what the Messiah had to offer. In 33, he continues on, verse 33, and it says, And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword that will pierce your own soul as well, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. I've been going through an Advent study uh, and it's focused a lot on light. Namely, the light. The light that has existed from before the dawn of creation. And the thing about light is that it illuminates, right? It's kind of its, uh, its main characteristics. Kind of like these two lights that are shining right now. It exposes. Russ Ramsey describes the light of Christ as a scrutinizing light. A scrutinizing light. It doesn't cover up. And it's really good at highlighting the things about us that we wish we never saw the light of day. I looked in those lights, and now it's hard for me to look at my notes. <laughs> it makes me think of the line from Batman, The Dark Knight Rises, okay? So Batman kills the lights in this, this warehouse, this underground bunker, uh, so he can use the, the, the darkness and be all stealthy and try to fight the bad guy, Bane. But Bane tells him that I'm not going to do the voice i practice doing the voice from Bane, but I'm not gonna but he says that he says I was born in the dark I was formed by it and he says I didn't see the light of day until I was a man and by then it was nothing but blinding we like our darkness here I'm safe I can put on my song and dance routine and then I can retreat to my safe space in the dark The light blinds us. It exposes us. (laughs) It kind of makes me think, so a while back, Joe tried taking some pictures of our sleeping daughter while she was in the crib. This was when Cannon was a baby. And she accidentally had the flash on. (laughs) And so she went to take the picture, And the flash was on, and Cannon, like, wakes up, eyes startled. And it was a very unfortunate-looking series of photos that were taken. But (laughs) just this blinding light shining on this poor little trying-to-sleep toddler infant. I don't know how old she was at the time. But that's kind of what it makes me think of. It. It shows the things about us that we don't care to see. We love the dark more than we love the light of God. If we're honest with ourselves, that's true a lot of the time. The exposing, painful light that shows us who we really are. The light that exposes the past hurts and sorrows. It's the light that lets me know, yes, I really am that wicked. But for God's grace, we would still be running to the dark. Not everyone wants to have their hearts illuminated. Some want to keep things as they are, keep that status quo, because of whatever control they think they have in that darkness whatever status they think they, they possess in that area. And it's not a very Christmas carol kind of friendly line or fact, and it won't make its way into any Christmas card, I don't imagine. But Christ did come to separate. Yes, he did come to bring peace, but not necessarily peace amongst man but all, but peace between us and God the Father to call those that are his, some are going to rise with him into light that not only exposes us but also tells us that we are loved in spite of all that that we see and in spite of all that ugliness that gets exposed inside us, but some will follow because they choose the perceived safety of the dark matthew ten thirty four says Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have. This is Jesus talking, by the way. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Christ is the fulfillment of God's word, and it cuts like a two-edged sword. Okay, Zach even hit on this. I was like, man, did you? You're stepping on my toes. Uh, It it's a two-edged sword. And the thing about it is that the blade that cuts is also the blade that heals. It cuts between lies and deception. It cuts between our own false sense of security and control and reveals our true nature. But if you think about it, a scalpel is needed to also cut away dead tissue so that healthy tissue can grow. Yes, sadly, some are going to fall. Some aren't going to step into that light. They're not going to allow themselves to be healed. And that's a a tough thing to wrestle with. But in God's sovereignty, others will rise. And Simeon is looking forward to something here. This man has finally seen the arrival of the Messiah. But he isn't just focused on the first coming. He's looking forward to yet another coming. His wordings reflect a future tense. The Messiah has come, and he's coming again. And this leads us to this last old saying I want to speak on, Anna, or Anna, if you watch Frozen. In Luke, uh, Luke 2.36 says, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, Her husband had been gone for decades, and she threw herself into the arms of her true love. Being a widow in this time was a very rough hand to be dealt. Uh, She seemingly had no kids that we know of. Her husband's gone. There was no one to take care of her. Yet the Lord was her provider, and the Lord cared for her. For a long time, we see, right? She'd been a widow for years and years, and he had still watched over her. And we can't overlook the fact that God chose some of the lowest of the low to be some of the first bringers of the good news of Christ's coming. Paul tells us that God chose the foolish in the world to shame the wise and that the, he uses the weak to shame the strong. His thinking, his ways are always opposite of ours, thankfully. And like a great storyteller, he's always trying to subvert these expectations. The beautiful thing about this is that Anna becomes one of the first evangelists we see in the New Testament. She was so enthralled and enraptured with the Lord and His work that she could not keep it to herself. She sings praises to the Father and then bolts out the door proclaiming His coming. The Lord has come. The long-awaited Messiah has been born. But he didn't stay a baby. Not like in Talladega Nights where Ricky Bobby is praying to little 8-pound, 6-ounce newborn baby Jesus. Yeah, we love to celebrate the birth. We love to sing songs about this baby in a manger. What child is this? Mary, did you know? But the thing is, he grows into a man that is perfectly in the will of the Father. Fully God and fully man. (laughs) that's <laughs> where you hit on on all this stuff. Philippians 2.6, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. This glory that was set aside is the same glory that we see illuminating Mount Sinai when the Israelites are walking through the desert and they couldn't even set foot on this mountain. It's the same glory that illuminated Moses' face whenever he would go in and speak to the Lord. It's the same glory that would lead the Israelites in pillars of cloud and fire. It's the same glory that would level armies and that commanded the armies of heaven. He set that aside and took on the form of a human, of man. He became a sacrifice for our sins, making us sons and daughters. We get to take that joy, that sonship, and bring it to the masses just like Anna did, knowing that he will return. He's coming back. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once, once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eager, eagerly awaiting him so if we look here there's a we can see an obvious fact that God keeps those promises he made a promise thousands and thousands of years before Simeon gets to finally see that baby it came true. When God says something, it is going to happen. It might not happen on our time, but it is going to happen. If he says he's coming back, he is. And now, just like Simeon and Anna, we get to look forward to that return. Let us rejoice in the work that has been started. We are in the i Tanner say this numerous times. I'm not sure where it really came from, but we're in the already but not yet— You have been made holy by the sacrifice of Christ, the the sacrifice of the Son, and you are in the process of being made to look more like Him. It's a process. And for those of you that have been called, we can rejoice because of the work that was done and look forward to the completion of that work upon His return. For those of you that haven't turned to Christ in faith, you too can rejoice in the work that was set before you, that was done on your behalf. I pray that in His grace, He reveals your need for Him, that you see the beauty of that illumination on your, on your soul that does show you truly how wicked you are. That is a grace to see how much of a need of a Savior you are. So that you can turn to Him and be made His child. He is calling you out of that darkness and his hands are outstretched toward you in order to lead you into the light. Just like Isaiah says, it's that light that exposes and the light that heals. I'd love to pray with you. If you have been convicted of that sin and need of him, let's do business together. Mark, over here, Tanner in the back, we'd love to walk with you through that process. Don't let this moment just go by. Don't get so wrapped up in the busyness of this season. Let's rejoice in that that has been done for us. Let us sing and breathe. It's so appropriate that we get to come and celebrate with songs. And it's so appropriate that God uses songs to announce the birth of his own son. There's something innate. We are hardwired as... Humans, It is within us to, re, to respond and to relate to music and notes and harmony and harmonics. God knows that. That's why we love to sing these songs. Breathe that in. Rest in that this season. We're going to have some time for worship and communion. Let's use this time to pray. Let's use this time to rejoice. Let's use this time to sing as a body as we look forward to Christ's return. Yes, he did come. That has been done. Now let's look forward to his coming again. Let's pray.